Welcome to the Media Mavens podcast, where you'll hear the most compelling, provocative, and real conversations with industry leaders and innovators in tech, sports, and entertainment with our host and CEO of well-known PR firm, Axis Entertainment, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller, CEO of Axis Entertainment and your host for Media Mavens podcast. And I'm super excited because I'm here today in my official, unofficial, official continuation podcast with Nick Hughes, who is a founder and CEO of Founders Live. Hey, Nick. Oh, hey, Sarah. It's so great to be here. Love the fact that we're just we're just going to like pick up where we left off, I guess. <laughs> I think it's our official, unofficial, official part two podcast, because every time I talk to you, like we just keep this ongoing like storyline of leadership and founders and entrepreneurship. So I love talking to you on these podcasts. Oh, yeah, me too. Love it. Where do you want to start this day? I had so funny, right? Our Nick Sarah part two. I want to talk to you a little bit because we had an amazing conversation with you actually a few times. And we were also on your podcast a while ago on Founders Live. And it was one of the best podcasts on leadership. But you're also a blogger and an author. So everything about Founders Live is really about leadership and entrepreneurialism, right? Yeah. Just a, a quick background on Founders Live is I started in 2014 building out a really an ecosystem and like a it's a community plus a marketplace plus an ecosystem for early stage entrepreneurs. Yeah, really around leadership as well as helping them get exposure for their early stage products, connect them with the resources and capital that they need to be successful. And then also to help them really get exposure for their message out into the world. And we do that through a combination of... We have really unique, fun startup events and pitch competitions that are now in 90 cities around the world, 28 countries. We're all over the world. It's amazing. And then we have this ecosystem and, and really this community and marketplace to showcase these startups and founders. And the coolest thing, I guess I would say lastly, is we are now seeing evolution around how to spotlight and highlight all those founders and entrepreneurs in their leadership through not only training education, but channels for them to be able to spread their word and you know whether it's podcasts, blogs, and other things. So it's just really, really exciting. So dynamic and just love it. Love building it. I just love it because coming out the last few years, we've seen so many up and coming people who have been leading their industries. They, they are true leaders, entrepreneurs, and they took this time to realize what's important to them and what makes them happy. And they're pursuing their passion. So I'm all about supporting startup, supporting founders and people who are trying to pursue their dream or their passion, whatever makes them happy. Because if you're happy, it's not really a job. And I know people say that, but at the end of the day, it is still a job. You have the good and the bad of starting anything. Are you talking to a lot of founders or a lot of people that are still kind of waffling between, should I step up and launch my own company? Do I want to be an entrepreneur? Do I want to be a founder? Or do you find that you're talking to more people that are basically people that are leading, whether sports, tech, entertainment, their companies as CEOs, because I feel like everybody has a story that you could learn and be inspired from. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually kind of both. We do say aspiring entrepreneurs. And so the thing with Founders Live, and I'll give a little, a bit more background in a second to this experience, but we bring together people from various walks of life that 
Some of them might be like, oh my gosh, this is inspiring. I want to start something. I just haven't you know, stepped out of Microsoft yet. I just haven't done the thing that I really want to do. And then there's a significant portion of our community and our reach around the world that are what I call the doers. They're in the moment building their company. And yet what we say early stage, meaning anything from like bootstrapped or getting started up to a traditional series A financing, that might be 5 million, 10 million US. <laughs> I call them so. So we have a lot, we were known in the startup space as an agency. And I'm always like, if they're still on life support until they get off life support, where they need the constant raises, the constant influx, the bridge loans, yep. if they're completely finally off life support where they could to be sustainable on their own without the back end of a VC investor, that's at that pivotal stage where you are no longer a startup. So I'm always exactly. like five to seven years like into it. And it's just amazing. And it's, just, it's, it's, it's a good and this, it's bittersweet, right? Because we see so many people in that first three to five year mark who put everything they have into it and they just can't get the company off the ground. And not that they're not great CEOs or leaders. Yeah. I mean, some just aren't made to be CEOs and leaders. Some are, but you just got so many going things around the economy, supply chain, R&D, tech. I mean, there's so many things like mixed up in there that could either make or break a company that sometimes has nothing to do with the really good CEO. It's just a perfect storm of everything else, you know? Well, and we, you know, we saw that in the last few years and a lot of you know, there was a shakeout, but it, it's also now we're emerging from that. And, you know, there is a lot that have survived. And so I'm, I'm fascinated with getting the stories of survival. How did they continue through? You know, but let's not forget some industries totally blew up and it was just like massive growth in a number of these industries. And, and then some of them, you know, really had trouble and challenges. And, you know, I, I'm curious of those stories of people hanging on. Look, that's what inspires me is people going through the unthinkable challenges or hardships or, you know, hanging on because there's, you give a startup team, a founding team, you know, tens of millions of dollars, they probably will at least try to, they have time to figure it out. But when you look at other companies and especially ones, this is where Founders Live comes in is we're global. We're in 28, almost 30 countries. There are entrepreneurs all over the world. that are so talented. They're making it happen with little capital, little resources. And I, those are the stories around the world that we capture and we love. But then when you and I talked about this a little bit in the past as well, I mean, you know, you're going to, you're going to fail and you're going to succeed. That's just part of life. The biggest thing for me on leadership is if you're going to fail publicly, it's not so much the fact that your company failed or something happened. It's how you pick yourself back up, how you move forward gracefully in the public. And that's what makes a good leader. It's not about films because you fail at something doesn't mean you're not a good CEO. You're not a good leader. It's how you handle that, you know, yeah. and how you move forward. And we talked about this because I, I think I brought this up to you. I'm not a huge accelerator. We work fan, whatever, because you're in that velocity. You always want to meet people that inspire, motivate you to grow. You want to learn from to be better. But you're, when you're with the same people at the same level. You're all not just fighting for dollars from VCs. You're fighting for leadership. You're fighting for global recognition. You've got to, I always used to joke around, like, this is really bad to say, but whatever. Always date up. You always date up when you're in a founders because you need to be around people that have already been there that you can learn and grow from because you know they've done it the right way. And my thing with a lot of 
like a lot of startups that we see, they don't have the right tools. And it, nobody's perfect. Let's just preference that. We all need to improve who we are, but that's our goal. Always improve, be better every day yeah. right here around. But I think a lot of the founders issues, when you want to make a decision, the grass isn't always greener. It's a different shade. You just got to figure out which side of the fence you could excel better at and you got to find the right people around you and the right teams around you to get to that next level. And we talked about this, about being around the right people versus being around who you think people want you to be around. Well, and part of that, I'm so glad you brought that up again because, you know, last conversation. So for everyone on the Founders Live podcast, that was our Sarah and I's first conversation. It's great. You brought that up. And, and I think it's amazing because, you know, there's a few things going on here. Number one, oh, this is crazy to say people that are in battle and that are like hurting want to be around other people that are hurting. And, and I say that pretty bluntly. And what I mean is, you know, this is why these communities and not to say that, you know, we work or other co-working spaces aren't they're there for a reason. But when you're a founder, think about it by putting yourself only in that group, surrounding yourself with, again, as you say, if you're if you're talking about level up, if someone is on your, you know, their peers, well, you're gonna, yeah, you're battling for the same resources, basically. You're battling for the same attention from typically investors or the, the society or the community. And you're just hanging around with the same people. But what you're saying is a counterintuitive almost way to think about it is the moment someone can bounce up and really reach a, a higher level of engaging with mentors, advisors, Sarah, people like yourself, you know, that's, I mean, partly why, you know, we've continued to really stay in touch and have a, a great conversation and relationship is there are dynamics going on that I already see, oh, wow, you know, she could help us and, and I can help you. And so there's this really interesting dynamic that I think a lot of entrepreneurs feel they want to stay comfortable it can be uncomfortable to reach up and try to talk to someone on a higher level than you. It can be scary. It can be intimidating, but those are the exact aspects of founders to be successful. You have to overcome your intimidation. You have to overcome your fear. You have to go pitch the people. You have to talk to the people that you well, might it's be. Confidence. You know I mean? It's a confidence. And I love that oh, you said heart. level up because I'm all about, you know me, it's all about own your leadership. You always have to level up. And I love that because I, I mean, and it's not just founders. My feelings on this big resignation, the big resignation that everybody's talking about. This is a buzzword. It's everybody's just talking about that because they don't want to face their own, like, situation of am I happy where I'm at you know and I don't know and what's interesting is that this this whole big resignation to me I just feel like it's a little bit skewed and people aren't really looking into it deep enough I mean it's like let's take founders out of this you don't need to be a founder your first startup you just talk about CEOs right yeah is everybody who's a CEO at one point founded something or another, and they just decided where they were moving and where their story and journey was. But to me, it's always okay to ask for help. But I think you get to the point as a CEO of a company to where you can't just vent off your staff, your friends, or you just can't vent just to vent. You got to be super cautious 
who you go to for advice because you don't want to be going to, I know, you know me, I'm always picking on the sports side of stuff. You can't say, Hey, I'm going to go to one of my good friends who is a rival CEO of the sports team or, you know, another company I want to come to vent to get their advice. Cause I don't want to feel like, Oh my God, I can't run my team, my company. Yeah. And that makes me look bad, but it doesn't. Yeah. And we talked about this, some of the greatest in technology and sports, They've all written books. They've all publicly said the smartest thing I've done was bring a team around me that knows what I don't know. And I just think that no fear. If you own your leadership, you're going to go to somebody, a trusted resource, an advisor, a friend that you feel safe with to talk about, hey, it may not be a budget issue, an operations issue. It may be I'm in a situation I got to manage an executive or I need to pivot right or left and I need to still deal without leaving collateral damage and how do I still look like a leader knowing that decision I made was not going to end well for somebody else. And I think that to me, that, that authentic humbleness, humiliation of, Hey, I know I'm human. I am a CEO, but the way for me to learn and grow is to bounce things off and to listen with the intent to understand, not the intent to reply. That to me is a good leader and a good CEO. Mm -hmm. It's not ego driven. It's not just to reply back to prove you know what they don't know. It is really all about getting, absorbing the knowledge of somebody you do respect who can give you a different perspective to go back and handle something differently than when you came into it. And I just think that's a conversation like I've been having with a lot of like our CEOs and clients and partners lately is like, how do you make that pivot? Because we're not in the same position now. We were a year ago, two years ago. So I think it's fear of your step out of your comfort zone is where I think the biggest thing is and people are too afraid to step out of their comfort zone. Yeah. Uh, I loved how you said, listen with the intent to understand, not respond. Yeah. And oh, like I'm self-aware enough and we can all work on that. But there's times where it's like, uh, no, you're, you're, you're listening with the intent to understand, not to respond and try to be the smarter one or correct someone. And Hey, here's another thing. And you posted this a couple of days ago or whatever on uh, LinkedIn, which I thought was great. It was the, there was a visual image and it was like the pie chart of leadership. And, you know, it, it had a number of different aspects of leadership in there. And one of them was listening and then there was empathy. And so when you think about that, just the fact of listening to simply understand is is by far one of the most underappreciated or maybe overlooked aspects of, of leadership. I think it's also, I mean, it's also like, you know, a few of the magazines and interviews I've done pre-COVID, my, I always be looking at any of the magazines I've been into and all my profiles. I always end it with, you never lead with your ego. And I think that's what we, because I think we have so much going on. I don't know if it's to prove that I'm right, to prove that I always have the answer, that I'm better than anybody. Sometimes we listen because, oh, I need to reply to that because I got a comment or a feedback or I need to tell you this or tell you that or have a point to make. But then then we had to pull ourselves back a little bit and realize, okay, wait, I am listening with the intent to understand your perspective, not just. So I can reply. And I, I think it's like when it comes down, I think it's because you know, we're a PR firm. It's all about communications. It's all about changing the narrative, telling the story, you know? Yeah. And I think it's hard. And like, this is what's so funny. We're a PR firm and I have to correct myself 
sometimes when I'm lecturing to others about how to do it. But communication's hard. I mean, it's not an easy task being a leader. You got to be able to be a leader, but also be a team player. Like there's, and like I, I posted that. I think I actually tagged you in that on LinkedIn a few other people because people just think, oh, you're a CEO, you're a leader, you have all this, all this. How easy? No, it's not easy. There's so much that goes in to communicating and managing and perception. And like what we do, you know, we're all about creating leaders, defining the market and changing the perception. But if we can't listen to understand where you're coming from, then we're replying with biased reply that doesn't go anywhere. Then it just, that's where the inertia of the communication gets out of shift. Also as a CEO, as a leader, you know, being a founder CEO, Maybe a lot of people listening here identify with that. And the unfortunate reality of this position is everyone ends up looking at you for, for yeah. like, well, what's the answer? What's the decision? And it feels like the next step with leadership is, is now in, you know empowering your team. So going back to what you said earlier is surrounding yourself with hopefully smarter people and don't be the smartest person in the room. And basically not pushing it off to them, but empowering them to be able to make that decision or have the confidence to move forward on their own leadership within the team so that it's not always back to this or to me or to you. Cause that's, that's a really very unhealthy position to be yeah, in. Yeah, but, but at the end of the day, it is back to you. You're there. You're the captain of the ship. You're leading the home. So I bounce things off my team. I bounce people. I trust my closest advisors, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean, I'm, I mean, and then sometimes we do empower them to make a decision, but we've all seen this as a CEO. If I'm giving you, I cannot make you accountable without giving you the responsibility and the tools to do what you need to do. And we see a lot of scapegoats. Well, hey, you made that decision. And you did that. It was a bad decision. So I'm going to throw you under the bus because I'm the CEO and I want to make a bad decision. But no, if you're going to make me accountable and let me make a decision without your guidance, help and support. And I I just think being a leader is hard. It is. It's not being a CEO is not an easy job. Let's just put it that way. Because the buck stops here. No matter what goes on, I always have my team's back. I'm always going to defend my team, handle the situations behind closed doors. You know, you never air your dirty laundry when it comes to um, business stuff, but it is a tough position to be in. And I kind of feel, and I don't know if this is jaded or not, but, you know, I I wanted to ask you what you thought of all these talks about the great resignation, because I feel all of these people in these big positions, studio, sports, tech, entertainment, VP level, C-suite level and above, heading innovation labs, heading everything are like, oh, we're resigning. We realize happiness. We're going to go create our own thing, follow our passions. And I had this conversation a week ago with someone who was gave me a different perspective on this. I was listening to him that this big resignation, everybody's jumped ship to do the grass is green on the other side. They want to be happy. They want to be a founder. They want to, they want to tell their own story, not answer to somebody else. They may not have the skill set to survive on their own outside of a big company with teams of PR, communications, VPs, BD, operations that cover their asses that make it happen. And there's going to be, and they're they saying that the economy, all these people who jump ship because they thought the grass was greener are going to end up in a year or two, unemployed, miserable, 
going back to get their jobs in the big companies back because they're realizing this is not so easy on the other side. It looks nice. Work from home, have more family time, be more laid back, less traffic, less road rage on the road, less everything. I'm going to resign. This isn't worth it. But that struggle of why you resign. Now, I'm not saying gave up, you know, give up, but resigning and moving to whatever it is has to be a little more thought through because I'm seeing people who did that. I'm like, oh, shit, we're in startup mode. We have to go raise money. We have to be a CEO. I was better as an EVP chief digital chief creator for a big company. I was better off with the staff of 80 people running a sports team. Now it's like, holy shit, this is hard on my own. So I feel like we're going to see this shift of great resignation, get out of the big corporate, do your own thing, be free, go create. But then it's like a year or two reality hits. And I think they're all going to be moving back into the big jobs that are comfortable, that it's easy to stay within your comfort zone. And I never thought I'd have that opinion as a CEO until I had this conversation with somebody else a week ago who was talking about this that made me rethink, oh, God, they're probably right. That's a good way to think about this. Yeah. Yeah. This is a really interesting thought and conundrum in the sense that, you know, I think taking a full step back here, look, you know, over the last few years, the the world got rocked and everyone was from, you know, kind of locked in their house to then working remote or, you know, very much distance. And it created an opportunity to consider and reconsider their entire life. Right. From relationship, literally like there's people splitting up and getting a divorce, or there's people that are choosing professionally to to shift their things. I do think it was a kind of a knee-jerk reaction. I I do agree that there might have been some of that. I, in general, uh, I do agree the sediment that the pendulum is probably going to swing back here in the next year to two years. I agree with that. There's going to be some movement back. Now, I will say that part of Founders Live, why we're here is, is to really give the infrastructure so people that do choose, whether it was the pandemic or not, if they choose to go and do their own thing and, and they, they do choose to start a company and making it clear here that Founders Live is really not only for you know, tech startups, generally speaking. We encourage entrepreneurship in many ways and, and creative entrepreneurship, whether that's arts, music, retail, apparel, you know, whatever, you name it, like all these things. I believe entrepreneurship is the heart. The heart of entrepreneurship is creativity. And the other side of it is commerce. So how do you creatively create something that then you can hopefully sell for a profit? And, you know, I do think people are looking at opportunities to, to be in a more free experience for their life. And I will say that, Hey, everyone that's choosing to do that, that cushy job as a SVP at whatever company was a lot more resources at your disposal, a lot more you know income that you had. You traded that for autonomy and freedom. And, and I think the big question is, can they fulfill the requirements of creating something that can stay, sustain itself and grow? And that's, again, what Founders Live is about. But yeah, you know, the world... The world got squeezed massively. What do we learn in energy, in physics? When something squeezed really hard, like there's an automatic return of energy. So things got pushed out. And I do think that, you know, in the next few years, it'll kind of come back to some sort of equilibrium of that. But, you know, people are are looking right now and the grass is not greener on the other side. 
I think the grass is just, it's grass. It's, 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 I always say it's a different shade of green. It's not because like I worked for a huge global PR firm that, I mean, I moved up their ranks. I learned the basis of everything from one or two specific men at this big agency. Started out my career years ago. And, you know, I get it. You want to make your own decisions because what you feel is a right decision, what's best for the client or whatnot is not what somebody else is thinking. And you don't really understand the processes of all of that. But I used to always say the grass isn't creates a different shade. Can I thrive and survive more, be more sustainable working for somebody else within a box because I'm literally put in a box and this is where your boundaries are or can I go out of my comfort zone, push the envelope, good, bad, or indifferent. It doesn't matter how I draw the cards. I'm still responsible for my decisions yeah. as a CEO and can I thrive and survive in a different pasture, a different shade of green. And so that's where the decision was. Can I take my leadership and skill set within being a team player and can I lead my own team on my own decision, my own accord, at my own cadence, and still be successful while I have the respect of a team and industry following me. And so like, I literally made that exact same pivot that you're talking about. Do I go to the other side? And I'm happier that I am as a CEO because I had the freedom to blow up, build my agency, do the Global Wars podcast, land jumbo jets on driveways that most people don't do in agencies. But... I'm not going to say it's easy. I'm not going to say there's still sweat, pain, tears, confusion on the other end. We are human and we make hard decisions. But I think, I just think there's always, I think I made this comment. I think you laughed at me on your podcast. I feel like I was like, we're in an Audi commercial. There's leaders and there's followers. It's not good or bad. You just got to figure out where you thrive and survive. Yeah. On each side. And I don't think because people see CEOs and leaders and what they do that, oh, look how easy, look how great their life is. I want that. That person, you don't know their journey, how they got there. You don't know the suffering they did to get to that point, that constant digging in, that motivation. They found the inspiration, that perseverance to keep driving. Everybody's different. It's not good or bad everybody's just their clocks are wired differently of how much they can handle and at what speed. And that's what comes down to leadership. If we're going to pick it apart, some people are just not born leaders and that is okay. Cause they excel. Yeah. That's why those are the people, lieutenants I want around me to drive projects. Cause I know they have that strength that is perfect in that position. And so it's weird that like we, we pick apart what true leadership is because it's not picking it apart. It's supporting those who need the support and making those understand, are you going to be happier and better off whichever side of the fence you're on? So it's just, I think it's a constant conversation we're all having on a daily basis because like you said, we were squished into this world. We, had a, we were all forced to live a certain way and we had no choice for two years. And that made us think about a lot of stuff. Yeah. But... Now that we're coming out of everything, we're going to see a lot of successes and a lot of failures on the ground. And it doesn't matter. It's it's own your leadership. Be present. Listen with the intent to understand and figure out. Get yourself back up. Pull up your bootstraps. Handle it with class and grace in which you entered it and keep moving forward. Well, you know, what comes to mind here is... It's, it's an amazing thought, actually. It's an amazing kind of consideration, which is 
you know, look, if we're talking about people like you're, you're in a, a position, some healthy income, you're getting compensated well, large company or small, but still getting, you know, healthy compensation, you're comfortable. And if, if that drives someone great, awesome. You listening here, that might be you. And that's like, that's actually amazing on the other side. And the, the world that I spend pretty much every day in and who I talk to and who I am, we're haunted with a, a drive to improve the world in some way, shape or form. And that pulls someone into this experience of entrepreneurship, basically creating something from nothing and growing something to impact the world, create something and, and hopefully have a, a strong business. It's a haunting, meaning that they, you know, we can't not do this. You literally cannot not live this life. And there is a part of it that is almost, I'm getting to the point where I'm like, oh, this is never going to go away. Like, and, and you can read from, again, Steve Jobs or anyone that's ran Disney recently or anyone that has held these positions where they're simply wired in a way that nothing, it's, there's not enough ever. And it's because we want to continue to make impact and change things in the world. The person over here makes a couple hundred thousand, five hundred thousand dollars. Great. And they have, they might value other parts of their life, whether that's family or travel or the yacht or the, you know, ski, you know, chateau, whatever. Awesome. But the thing is, they, there's something different between those two people. And I just think that then the leadership is required to be the successful entrepreneur is how are you establishing the leadership enough to move your team, to get the traction, to get the customers, to get the message out, to then impact the market. So I think that there's just something there to consider, which is I'm learning more about it. It's, it's a haunting. That's the word I use because it just continue in, in, but it's a haunting of the passion to, to drive something further in the world to impact people. Like I, I live my life every day talking like earlier today, I talked, he was in Harare, Zimbabwe. And then, you know, uh, then I can have a call with someone in uh, Colombia and then I can have a call with someone in New York. And you know, the same day I'm talking with people on like three or four different continents and they all have the same drive that I'm talking about. And it's fascinating. And I'm still trying to study it because I don't know exactly what it is. Well, I think it's, we're hardwired. Like it's in our DNA. We're hardwired that way. Certain people are just, wired in their brain with their DNA where they got to constantly drive, not give up, move forward, create, build, service, execute. And this is like, I always say, you know, from a CEO standpoint, and I think it's everybody has this, but I think it's more for people, like you said, where in the middle of the night, just your day just haunts you of how to be better, do better, lead, create, produce. It's you wait, we all have every day. We wake up and we have to make three decisions every day, no matter what we do as leaders, right? One, give up to give in or three, give it all you got. For mm -hmm. me, it's give it all you got. I don't understand what giving up and giving in is. And I'm not saying that's because I'm such a great leader of all leaders. It's, you know, we all have our journey. We all have our past, our stories. And I just think for me personally, being a leader is I don't understand option A and option B, give up or give in. It's always give it all you got, fight, get through it, get over it get over to their side, follow the sunshine, so to speak, and then go into the next chapter, move down the next path. It's always give it all you've got. And I think those are three things we ask ourselves every day. Do you yeah. see, sometimes people do just, you know what, 
I just got to give up. It's just too hard. Or I just got to give in. It's just easier. It's not going to end well. Or you give it all you got. So you can walk out the other side knowing you gave it everything you had. And you don't need to look back and second guess yourself. You gave it all you got. And that was the best anybody could expect or give in any situation. And I think those are important. That's important for people to kind of realize what are my three options here every time they make a decision. I, I, I thought about that too. And I, yeah, I'm at the point. Look, you know, Founders Live is big enough. Like we're not huge, but it's big enough that I know that this thing is, con- it's going to continue for a long time. And so I'm now at a point where I'm really considering like, okay, it's like, once you get to that first, I guess, false summit, but you can see what's, you know, oh, wow. Okay. And where do we want to go now? And, you know, I've got some very, very big things I want to do. And and now it's it's a point where, yeah, giving up, giving in is just also not my vocabulary, but I want to end whenever that is on this earth, at least. I want to be able to sit there and just say, that was the bet. Like I gave it my best. And I am pleased with the result. Whatever numbers those are, whether it's measured in the millions or billions or whatever the case, it almost doesn't really matter. I want to be able to look back and just, there's no regrets. And there's just a, I gave it all. I gave it all and left it on the field. Well, I think it's, I think it's because you are a leader. You have founded stuff. You do help support other leaders to grow into leadership. And there's so many character traits of a true leader, no matter how you look at it, they have to be there. But my whole thing is everybody has an intent. Like as a leader, we have an intent that has a purpose. And my intent to talk to you, do anything, put a deal together. It all has a purpose. We all have a purpose with intentions moving into stuff, no matter which way we move, the inertia of it is Mm -hmm. we have a purpose there to our intent. If we don't have a purpose, our intent may not be a pure intent. We are not clear of what our purpose is, but we always have to sit there and move in the direction of where our intentions are, knowing there's a purpose on the other end so we could stand by it, stay grounded, fight for our beliefs, and lead with the best way, lead by example from the top down. That's the best we can ask for. But, you know, a lot of people... I think do make decisions, their intent kind of gets off kilter, outside effects, teams, partners. I I mean, everything, this is life, right? There's so many things to it. It's not a perfect formula. But to me, if you're going to make a decision as a leader, sometimes there is collateral damage and we can't do anything about it because we make a decision and a client, a partner, the industry, COVID, there's a lot of collateral damage to employees had to be fired, let go. It wasn't because we had bad leadership. We had a pandemic. It was what it is. So you do the best you can and a really hard stretching situation. But then certain leaders, there's another side where you make it based on ego, a selfish reason or for reason you need to make, and you know, it's going to hurt somebody else. And that's where I look at leadership a little bit more critically to where that's when you have to suck it up, be authentic, be humble, suck down the humility so deep down where you can go to that person, make them understand they can never walk away feeling collateral damage to the decision you made. You've got to make sure they're valued, they're appreciated, make sure they 
don't walk away as collateral damage on the decision you made. You owe it as a leader, a CEO, to sit down, to have a conversation, have coffee, pick up the phone, and make sure that person doesn't feel like the collateral damage because of the decision you had to make. And that, to me, is a sign of true leadership. It's not, there's always collateral damage. You're always going to have somebody that's going to be affected and it sucks and it's not great because we're human. We still feel bad. But you still have to make sure that person doesn't walk away feeling like that collateral damage to the decision you made. And then you walk the other way. You have to be humble and that humility to understand you get where they're at. You yeah. don't want them to feel that way. You had to make this decision and you'll do everything you can. So they still feel valuable, appreciated, regardless of the exit situation. And that's a huge thing for me that whether it's within a company or personal, that leadership, is such a critical attribute and trait you need to have because no matter what I think our disagreement may be, my relationship, our relationship is more important to me than my own ego. And that's where I need to step back and say, hey, my intent here and purpose is to not make you feel like you were collateral damage. It was to make you feel you're valuable. You're part of the team. No matter if you walk away, stay, go. It is still, you leave with the class and grace in which you enter that relationship. Yep. That's a part of leadership I'd like to see more of in the industry or in general. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I think it's, it's really, really important and it's harder said than done. Yeah. So we want more of those leaders. How would you suggest someone learns to do that better? Wait, this is my podcast. I know, but I can't help (laughs) everyone. I can't help but ask questions. This is so funny. Every time I talk to you, I don't know who's talking, who's interviewing who. I think it's it's hard. I think I just, that's a good question. How do you become a better leader? How do you make sure that I have what it takes? Okay, am I going to totally miss this? Correct me, that. How do I be a leader to where no matter how big or small the decision, I don't let you feel like collateral damage and like you're not worthy, you're not valuable. I think that comes down to the inside of, again, I'm not going to say it's a little more difficult with men because you have that whole, you know, image of being strong, being the male, not ask for help. But I think it's, I don't think it's okay. So I don't think that's a, I'm just going to go down the rabbit hole on this with you, Nick. I don't believe that's a, the whole, you know, being a female, you're better at multitasking. Being a male, a female, you're better or worse at being a leader, deserved anything. It's about you as a person. And I think that's a hard thing to do. I think that's really internally who you are. You're compassionate. You're a good person. You want to serve. You want to make everybody feel good, do good. And legal or not, we can maybe may not be able to talk to certain employees or certain people politically. It may suck, but it is hard. It's very hard. I don't have a good answer for you for that because I don't think my answers are the right answers for everybody. I think my best advice is go out of your comfort zone. No matter how hard it is, no matter how complicated this situation relationship is, I owe you the dignity and the respect to sit down and be honest, to talk to you. I made a bad decision. I Maybe it was ego-driven. Maybe I was thinking about something else that would be a bigger impact in my life. And not that you're not important, but this was there before. Whatever it is, I owe you the dignity to have a conversation so you don't walk away feeling like a shitty person because of my actions. And 
they always say don't burn a bridge, right? And I know we all say stuff, but I feel like, and this is this may be my big resignation. We all went through two years of oh my gosh, right? And I think given certain situations in your past, your history, you evolve and your perception is shaped as you get older. I think that was it. It's like you can't, life is too short. You should never leave, you should always leave somebody better off when you walk away than when you walked up to them. I don't care if it's a hug. I don't care if it's tears. I don't care how much humiliation and hard emotional shit you have to suck down. You need that person to feel like they were valuable. And I think I would rather feel like shit like for a day or so, knowing that you walked away feeling good and I didn't hurt you for any reason. I didn't make you feel like collateral damage because I'll get over it. I'll figure it out. I'll bounce back. I'm a leader. I'm a fighter. But I think walking away, knowing that I made you feel a certain way for whatever reason, I just think that's not a good value trait as a person or as a leader. You're not present. You're not grounded. You're not where you need to be as a leader. And I don't know if there's any, that's not even an answer you're looking for. I think it's hard. I feel it's hard being a good leader, but I feel like we work every day to be better at where we were. But I also have a different background than anybody else. Cause as you know, I went through five brain surgeries. I fought, I the give it all you got. I didn't really know what else there was to where my six year journey was. But between that, between COVID, I think I'm realizing it is hard, but you got to look back and say, Hey, that person didn't deserve that. I owe them that dignity because I'm going to feel like a better person. And no matter if you walk away and I had to fire you or we broke up or whatever the situation was, I know that I did my best. I gave you the dignities that, you know, was my decision. And it doesn't matter because you'll always be that person down the road. This is kind of shallow. That can never say anything bad about me, can never tell somebody, yeah, that was an asshole move. They did this, they did that. They're not a leader. They're not credible because of how they made me feel. If that small thing, no matter how small that is, is all, then that makes the biggest difference to me to suck up the humility, the humbleness, and to make sure you don't walk away as collateral damage. I mean, there is no right and wrong answer. I think I'm just no. These, these are all these are great thoughts. Yeah, I love I love all the stuff that you're saying around. You know, leave them better than they were. And th- th- what I would just add to this is like I, I just maybe presence, like being present. You know, in in the yeah. in the moment, being present enough to actually take the time. Hey, can we talk? Rather than like shooting off a Slack message or an email saying like you're finished or you're you're fired or whatever, actually, if a negative sensed negative thing is going to take place, it's important that that leader is uh, present and then inquiring about thoughts and feelings. And then in the end, basically what you're saying is making sure that they're left in a equal or better situation. So now that they have the context and they're like, Hey, thank you for, you know, you want them to be thanking you at the end, right? What, what that means is they're thanking you for explaining, taking the time to be with them and then just being present. And, and that goes a tremendously long way as a leader because the decisions we all make are never going to please everyone. And honestly, I traditionally or kind of historically have been, somewhat of a people pleaser is weird. And I'm looking in my past to figure out why, where that was. I do have some ideas around that, but I've recently 
when you lead a team like this and when you grow something like this, you can't please everyone. And, and so the, the, the next answer is just making sure that when there is situations that you're present with the people enough so they can at least have an understanding of why that was decided. Well, I think being present and being grounded and knowing where you are, who you are, what you're doing in that situation, where it's going to go is so critical. And that is being present. Who am I? What am I doing? Where do I want to go? What do I want yeah. to be that? That end result is going to be contingent. If I want to go back in time with my little clicker, five minutes or five minutes ahead or back, I need to know how I want to walk away. Yeah. I want you to walk away. So I've got to hit my little clicker of going forwards and backwards in time to realize. You got one of those? <laughs> No. If, that's, if that's, I do, I have, I have, a, I have a little science looker. I need to know that that's how I want this to end. And whether I can control it or not, there is no substitution for communications. And I don't know, personal and business being in PR, there is no substitution. There's a point in a time where I can't give you candid three word answers in a text message or whatever. I, no matter if it's in or out of the office, you want to lead own your leadership as a human on this planet, just don't use that because you're in the office getting a big check, but then outside personally, you're treating people horribly. You have to show the same dignity and respect either way. But you know, my whole thing on this is pick up the phone, take the time, check in with somebody. Don't rely on tax messages only. If my intent is to see you, then okay, I want a quick, yeah, yeah, yes, no, maybe, no doubt, got it, got it see you whenever. If my purpose is something different, I owe you that conversation. Like you said, you be, be present in the conversation, whether it's 10 minutes, 20 minutes, be fully present and be authentic. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you 20 minutes or an hour or two of my time. I need to know I'm not just doing it to appease the situation. I generally have to realize I'm giving you my time. I'm respecting giving me my time because the outcome down the road is because you want to reconnect. You want relationships. You want it to be a healthy relationship of mutual respect, regardless of which direction you go in. And, And I think it's important. And I think people kind of get so caught up in the moment, in the present of so much going on around them. They forget you were leaving collateral damage of humans, of people that are important to you. But then I think that this goes down to we're busy, we're crazy. You know, people say what they need to say. Oh, you're amazing. Oh, no, no, this is great. Okay, you don't say it to say it. Actually mean it. Don't yeah. tell somebody, oh, God, you're so amazing, like outstanding. If I really don't mean it. If you're not really amazing, outstanding, and I really don't like you, but I respect you, I'm not going to let you think and lead you on to think I think you're amazing. Because exactly. that's just going to open a door. So when I do have to say no, I'm not, I'm out of my comfort zone and something you just, you can't walk some things back and you shouldn't be able to walk things back. The less you walk back, the better you are. Think that through before you start anything. If I have to walk this back, it's going to (laughs) suck. So let me just rethink moving forward, how little I want to walk something back. So wise words to live by. (laughs) If we could only live and breathe that every day and not have to think it through and talk about it, right? (laughs) <laughs> Love it. Oh, Sarah, this is always, always a good, incredible conversation with you. I, I always love talking to you. I always learn more. I always like Lily walk away from my conversations with you better because like you're so amazing. I love that you talk to so many leaders and you're learning and you, your intent is just to 
do good and be good and make other people realize Founders Live is there to help support them and to help give them the tools they need to have a more sustainable future in whatever they're creating or leading. And I love that about what you're doing with the organization. Thank you. Appreciate it. It was so good having you on. So Nick, people who want to get involved with Founders Live, where is a good place to send them? Yeah. So founderslive.com, just the way you hear it and founderslive.com. You can check that out. We have uh, free ways, like at no cost, you can just get going. You can essentially join our list and you're following what we call as a fan. We have newer membership levels now. So really cool membership. You can subscribe and be much more engaged with Founders Live. The higher level memberships are around actually like learning. There's courses and information and training and education. Also ways that you know, people and businesses can be discovered through Founders Live. And essentially, you can build your business on top of Founders Live and our ecosystem. So go ahead and check those out. And then I'm on, you know, LinkedIn, less active on Facebook and, and you know, Instagram now, just because I'm so busy, but you can find me on all the platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, we're all on there too, in terms of the company. So check those out. Yeah. For anybody who is looking for what motivation, inspiration, more tools, or people they need to get where they want to go. Founders Live is the place to be. Yeah. So awesome, Nick Hughes. I love having you on the podcast today. I'm looking forward to more conversations with you. Me too. But until then, this is Sarah Miller with Me to Mavis Podcast. Nick, thank you so much today and talk to you soon. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Media Mavis Podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or want to download past episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Media Mavens podcast on your favorite podcast provider. To learn more about the podcast or our guests, please visit MediaMavensPodcast.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.